Hello, and welcome to Shopify Masters, the podcast powered by Shopify, your companion for starting and building a business. I'm Shwang Esther Shan. So you want to start a business and make a positive impact. But how do you create a brand that encapsulates your mission? How do you support a cause and run a profitable business? Well, we got you covered. We are chatting with Payman Raff, the co-founder and CEO of Mad Happy, the beloved apparel company that's also building an inclusive community to start more conversations around mental health. Payman is here to share how Mad Happy was able to stand out in the apparel industry, partner with iconic brands, and use storytelling throughout their business and impact journey. Welcome to the show, Payman. Thank you so much for having me. So we heard that the words Mad Happy actually came through a text exchange with one of your co-founders, Mason. So can you take us back to that fateful moment and how it kind of kickstart the naming of the brand? To rewind a little bit, um, I'm 28 now. We started the brand in 2017 when I was around 22, 23. And uh, Mason, who's one of my co-founders, as well as my brother, Noah, um, who's another one of our co-founders, they were always into fashion growing up had started a brand together in high school, actually. And as, you know, they, they learned a lot. We, we lived in LA. They figured out how to make some stuff. That was like positioned a little bit more like high-end menswear and sort of fizzled out over a couple of years. And, and both him and Mason were looking to see like what they were going to do next. And Mason grew up actually like one of my first friends that I ever spoke about mental health with. And he had struggled a lot with many different just like early childhood challenges. And so in sort of a low moment, he thought of this like name Matt Happy and he had texted it to a friend and it sort of sparked this idea in his head of like building a brand around this name that to us really exuded optimism um, and felt very meaningful. So uh, that was back in 2016 and that initially sparked, you know, some conversations that he ended up having with my brother and then eventually with me and, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So even back in 2016, I think apparel market was very saturated. So how did you and your friends differentiate Mad Happy and set it apart? Yeah, I think one part that we got lucky with, I think, is is definitely the name. And it, it's super catchy, you know, even if you don't know what the brand is, uh, just some something about like putting those two words together makes it like feel like a whole like new word and new meaning and like intrigue. And so I think that definitely helped. And then I think also early on, like, we started doing a bunch of like little pop-ups as soon as the brand launched. And I think at the time, 2017, most people were like only talking about online and e-com. And I think for us, like being from LA, you know, having our, our friends come and check out these little stores that we would do helped gain that initial traction. And I think, of course, like through social media, those things would get amplified and it really started like building a community based off that. So I think we got pretty lucky with the name and then some of those early decisions around doing things physically and then that getting amplified across people's socials definitely helped a lot in the early days. And I want to ask on the personal side, I think a lot of young founders, they do have an internal turmoil or internal debate because you are going against a lot of big brands. So for you personally, leaving behind a career in banking and kind of taking a risk with your friends, how did you handle that emotionally? Actually, what happened was I graduated college in 2016 from Michigan. Um, I went into banking, started working in New York. And then like three months into my job, I got like pretty sick. Like I had just felt super tired. I didn't know what was wrong. Um, And I was a little bit worried. Like I had never been sick before in my life for like an extended period of time. 
And so I came home to LA. This is like towards the end of 2016. And I was just trying to figure out what was wrong, like resting, taking a leave of absence from, from work. And after a couple of months, like I started to feel better and, and sort of decided like, hey, like I'm just going to stay in LA. Like I'll get a new job here. Um, I feel more like comfortable being around family, stuff like that. And right around that time, my brother and Mason were working on Mad Happy. And I was like helping them as I was figuring out what I was going to do next. And then sort of just ended up one day like realizing, oh, like, I guess this is what I'm doing next. You know, um, it wasn't as much of like a plan thing. Um, and then I thought, you know, I, I was thinking like, hey, like, it's not super risky. Like, I can always go back to like that career. Uh, should I want to? Should this not work out? And I don't know, something just, I guess, at the time felt right about it. And I kept just leaning more into it. And when you were planning with your brother and your friends, was there any brainstorming processes you guys have done to really solidify the branding philosophy and also the cause-driven, purpose-driven part? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think for us, initially, no, because it's sort of in a very organic place, like hey, like, we love this name, like, let's put out some products around this, like, vibe that we think makes sense for it as, like, an LA-based brand that's trying to be a little bit more inclusive than sort of the traditional streetwear that we grew up with. And then as we saw people reacting to it and seeing how both both guys and girls were loving the product, people were loving the name, some of the stitching stuff we were doing on the hood, I think from there we realized, oh, like, this opportunity is a lot bigger than we imagined. And then Again, early on, because our brand was so linked with like optimism and feelings that we were trying to exude, we started talking about mental health and we realized, one, that everyone wants to talk about it, but no one's really like has a place to do that. And then two, there haven't really been brands that have taken a stand there, especially back then. And even celebrities weren't really talking about it in 2017. So, you know, we looked at we looked at it and we were like, hey, like this feels very right to what we're doing, true to who we are. So why not try? And I do want to zoom in on the aspect of you mentioning being found in LA. Tell us about just being in that culture and also the apparel industry that exists within the city um, and some of the collabs that come out of being a LA-based brand. I think we feel very fortunate. Like, you know, we've produced most of our stuff in LA since we launched the brand. And I think that that's had a lot of advantages to being able to do things quickly um, and do cool partnerships last minute because because of just being so close to like the supply chain. But I think, yeah, LA's built a great sort of fashion and apparel hub. And I think it's built like a large network of people that we could get support from, we could learn from, uh, you know, all sort of those those types of things that have been really helpful. And then I think for us, like we feel like the brand does exude, you know, sort of that LA energy and vibe and, and positivity and, and that sort of thing. And it's it's helped us grow even outside of LA. When you were starting to look for production partners, how did you go about finding someone who's able to execute to the quality and the design that you wanted? I think like the truth is like you don't start where you want to end up uh, with quality and stuff. So I think you just live and learn. You get recs from different people on on things that we should explore, people that we should meet. And then we just try iteration after iteration. Fortunately, I think like we asked enough people, we ended up with a few great partners early on. and then have continued to try to like build up that base over time. And on the flip side of that, for design, you mentioned that signature stitching on the hoodies, um, as well as the different designs you guys execute for different pieces. What is the typical process like for designing? That's changed a bunch over like the last five or so years. But now, uh, you know, sort of we have this idea of how many releases we'll have in a year. 
including our main collection, some of our smaller drops, some new products that we're trying, as well as collaborations. And then that'll sort of be phased out in, let's say, quarterly chunks. And then the design team uh, and the product team will work against that, filling in the different moments of the year that we're trying to hit on. I think every year we try to improve a little bit, whether that's like working with bigger partners, trying new products, uh, evolving what we did the year before. So that's generally like how, how we try to put it together. We were like coming out with products that like felt unique to us. And we did this like stitching on the hoods because we hadn't seen that before. And we were like, everyone wears hoodies and like you can't really differentiate them unless you see like a big graphic that like says the brand's name. And so we did this hood, hood stitch, which is like hand done still to this day, which is like really expensive, takes a long time, but I think really like pretty iconic for us and really recognizable as like our brand and something that like we've invested a lot of time to like figuring out how to do in a bigger way. So really just like a unique part of what we're doing. Each one's a little bit different because it's hand done. So like it feels like very unique to us and something that hopefully we'll keep doing as we grow. And do you have a feedback loop or a process to take in feedback, whether it's from customers or social media and incorporate that within the design process? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think that, you know, we have a group of like great customers that get, you know, get some cool special perks. And also we like hear them a bit more because there's other channels of communication with them. I think for the most part though, we, we've sort of grown to like understand like more of who the consumer is and what the products are that we want to put out in the market. It's not always like a perfect match of like, what is exactly like the consumer want? And like, let's execute against that. I think that balance of like trying to lead them to where we think, you know, we want the brand to go it, it is sort of how we've tried to play it. And I think gives our team, especially our designers, like a little more flexibility than, hey, just do what's worked every single time. And offering them a space to be creative as well. Love it. I'm chatting with Payman Raff, co-founder and CEO of Mad Happy, the apparel company creating more conversations around mental health. If you're enjoying our conversation, we would love for you to leave us a review on your podcast listening platform. So when Mad Happy launched, there weren't a lot of companies or celebrities talking about mental health. What were some of the challenges trying to educate your customers and your investors to start this conversation around mental health? we were trying to understand, hey, like, what is the role that we could play in this, like, broader space to hopefully bring more awareness, conversation, and resources to mental health, right? And there's many parties involved here, right? And there's, like, the medical community, there's doctors, there's therapists, there's universities doing research. Uh, And I think for us, we saw that our lane was, hey, we think we can make it more part of daily conversation by showing especially our audience who, who skews a bit younger that it's okay to talk about, it's actually cool to talk about, right? And so how can we do that? And that started with something called The Local Optimist, which is our mental health publication where we're doing interviews, sharing toolkits. Uh, now we have a newsletter called The uh, Local Optimist Digest that goes out to about 40, 50,000 people a week. And really trying to share content that like was different than like sort of the scientific like you know, paper type content, because we knew that our audience like wasn't really going to resonate with that. And I think as we started to grow, we noticed, oh, wow, like, you know, this can make a big impact. And we can keep like working with great organizations to amplify their messages, because I think the challenges that they would have is they would do great work, but like, how can people really learn about it? 
and how can you make others fair? So I think that started to trickle down as well. And we, we've just begun to like grow the, the ways that we're trying to communicate that. So we also have a podcast that we launched about two years ago called the Mad Happy Podcast, where we're interviewing both celebrities to hear their stories, as well as professionals to hear tips or, you know, how people can, including ourselves, can better take care of our mental health. And so we hope to be able to continue that as, um, you know, as we continue growing as a brand. Mm -hmm. We definitely love the local optimism. We also love your show. Um, And I think a big part of the challenge with brands is if you invest in performance marketing, you can see results right away. But if you invest in something like storytelling, content, resources, and supporting a cause, that measure is not always really immediate or linearly linked. So how does the Mad Happy team measure success in that realm? That's a good question. Uh, I think for us, um, so we've actually like never really done performance marketing, which is like a, bit, a little bit weird, I guess. Uh, we, we've done small things in past years, but nothing meaningful. And so for us, that was never really a lane that we felt natural to our brand. And so content was always that layer, primarily focused on our campaigns and things of that sort. But I think on the mental health side, we feel like it's really a part of our brand and uh, something that we're doing sort of like as the greater good. And maybe it doesn't always sell more products, but we think from an awareness piece um, and just from like us doing our part and of course, building a great business, but also making a positive impact along the way, that it feels good to be able to contribute in the ways that we've tried to so far. And hopefully a lot of these ways that we're going to continue to move forward. I think that's a testament to how well you and your team have built the brand. Um, Previously, your team has mentioned that you wanted Mad Happy to be for mental health, what Patagonia is for sustainability. And I can really see that. Thank you. Yeah. We mentioned pop-ups was that initial success or initial help in growth. Can you walk us through the process of putting one of these pop-ups together? In 2017, 2018, people weren't really talking about pop-ups as much and for us it felt pretty natural especially for an apparel brand especially for one that like feeling seeing the brand in person makes such a big difference and so our first few years we did a bunch of them we're still doing a lot of them and each one you know we've gotten a little bit better at it but early on it was just really short-term leases we'd spend about three days to a week opening it up initially they would you know only be open for two or three weeks and it allowed us to like bring people together, throw some sort of like launch party, get people excited about what we were doing. And of course, I like share that on social media that helped sort of grow the brand in the early days. Another big part for Mad Happy is the collabs. So iconic brands like Colette, Columbia, LA Lakers. How do you approach those teams and really establish a collaboration that's beneficial for both brands? Yeah, it's a really good question. I think I always, I always say this uh, when, when people ask this question. Um, so people may have heard it before, but like we started, our very first collaboration was uh, six months in with this famous retailer in Paris that was closing called Colette. And uh, we saw such like amazing reception towards that, that it really set a high bar for us of like, wow, like one, collaborations could be super powerful, but two, like, like we have to like do it at this level because like we saw like how impactful it could really be. And I think as we started growing and having a more clear understanding of our identity as a brand and what we were bringing to the table, we wanted to be able to work with groups that shared, you know, a similar mindset of like mental health, 
optimism, positivity? Like, how do you share this stuff a little bit deeper through partnership, not just through the apparel, which we think is like one vessel for that, but also through the content and then also usually through a philanthropic piece as well. And so a lot of the reason actually we launched our foundation this year is, and in the past, we were just like, put it, you know, giving them like, oh, these are some great organizations that we work with. But now we're able to like funnel that into our foundation, give grants to a bunch of different organizations, work with a lot of great people, and hopefully we'll be able to keep doing that as we grow. And you've also worked a lot with creators, influencers. So what's the approach to those partnerships? For us, again, like we've never thought of those as like partnerships. Like everything's been very relationship based for us. We've never paid anyone to do anything. Um, it's really just like people that resonate with the brand or brands that resonate with us. We'll work with them if if it makes sense on on, on cool stuff and celebrities supporting our product, whether that's musicians, athletes, you know, influencers, YouTubers, TikTokers, whatever it is. It really does, you know, for us mean that they care about what we're doing. They want to be more positive. They want to care for their mental health more. And I think that's the alignment that we look for more so than like, oh, like how many followers does this person have? I think what really is standing out in our conversation is how untraditional you have taken the approach of building Mad Happy. The fact that there is no performance marketing and also no paid partnerships. I do want to ask, what is the current marketing stack and where do you guys uh, invest in the marketing effort? So most of our marketing efforts are focused on the campaign side, so the content that we're creating, whether that's with partners or or the bigger you know collections that we're doing each year. So that's really where we're focused. And then of course we do a good amount with like um, you know with celebrities as well. But again, it's unpaid, but we do have a focus there of like, hey, how do we have the right people supporting our product? How do we spread the message further? Whether that's someone coming on a podcast or wearing our product or uh, sharing an essay on, on the local optimist. And then I think, you know, th- th- there's other more traditional things around email, SMS, of course, that, that we're now doing too. But uh, I think we really lean heavily on the first side. And it's a great testament to how well the brand has been built. So can you share some really big milestones or strategies that has really given a big impact to Mad Happy's growth over the years? Each year, we've just tried to build on what we've done in the year past. Uh, a lot of that has been um, due to the times as well. Of course, like we were so used to doing pop-ups and, and our e-com in 2019. And then in 2020, we were forced to do no retail at all. And, and, and so I think we had to shift there, really like better understand e-com, better understand how we could reach our consumers and our supporters. And I think coming out of that, we still feel so strongly about retail. So continuing to level up both our e-commerce, our retail, and some of the efforts we have on the international side now are are really important to us as we move forward into 2023. So I know that Mad Happy hoodies have been worn by a lot of notable people and celebrities. Who are you most excited about to be seen in one of your pieces? A few people. I think like the first time, so LeBron wore it um, during like the bubble, like NBA finals um, 2020. So that was pretty crazy for sure. Um, and then also Jay-Z, just because like, how does he even know about the brand and like, how, how did he even get it the first time? Um, those are two definitely like really crazy ones uh, for us because like they're also unexpected and obviously people like we look up to in, in some ways. 
And a big part of scaling and growing is also growing the team. So what has the process been for you to pick up the right talent and make sure that they're also representing the brand? That's really hard. And I think it'll continue to be hard. Uh, we're, we're about 30 people now. Uh, and I think we've learned a lot about hiring. Uh, but I think still a lot of it is just partial, uh, partially like luck and timing of finding the right person at the right stage in their career and in their life to make a positive impact on, on our company and also to be able to grow as a person themselves. And so I think that's a challenging piece. We spend a lot of time on it. Um, and and hopefully each year we just like get a little bit better at it. I do like the full circle moment a little bit about Matt Happy, the brand being a conversation through text. And then also you just mentioned that SMS marketing is a part of Matt Happy's strategy. How do you guys approach SMS? Pretty untraditionally, like we're not sending a bunch of texts every week. Um, I think for us just focused on, you know, some of our drops like do sell out pretty quickly. And so we want people to be able to hear about them as soon as it comes out, if they opt into doing that. And so each release, especially the bigger ones, we allow people to sign up sort of for a launch notification. I think that's proven to be pretty uh, effective for us. And then we also use the channel for, for just general messaging things as well, whether that's positive messaging or different things that we feel like the community would enjoy. And I think a lot of founders might relate to this is that as you're growing, as you're scaling, there is a lot of pressure on the founder themselves. So how have you been looking after yourself and what habits have you formed? Yeah, really good question. I think, um, you know, the thing that we realized very early on is that like in any startup, even our company that of course, like we're trying to like make a big impact in mental health, like startups are very hard, especially for founders who have a lot of pressure on them. And so I think that part is true. Like we would never say like, hey, like it's so balanced and, and, and all that. I think just each year I've tried to get a little bit better on how I take care of my mental health, on how when I am working and when I'm not. And for any any founder, like it is such a big part of your life that like you are always thinking about it. It is always on your mind. But I think it's sort of like that is a little bit of a sacrifice you have to make if you want to build something that we think will, will be really great. Um, when, you know, whenever it is that we are done with it. And so uh, for me, I think it's been an evolution of like, you know, therapy, working out, taking time off when I need to. But uh, I'll be lying if I didn't say that there are many, many challenging times that in an ideal world or in, the, in a very balanced world would, you know, would not be a challenge. But, but I think uh, it's, it's a sacrifice I'm definitely willing to make. And just on a personal note, looking back, um, what was a moment that you were really proud building that happy? Yeah, the, 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 there's honestly a lot of moments. Um, for for me, I mean, I think each year, so it's been like five and a half years, like each year you look back and you're like, wow, like, you know, we accomplished so much. I'm like, I can't believe that like six months ago, I thought this and a year ago, I thought that. I think for me, that, that growth is like very rewarding of just like, wow, like, you can come a long way, even though sometimes during the days, it does feel really tough or it feels like we're not making progress. Another one is just like every April that, you know, it's our anniversary. We look back at the year before and, and all the different moments that like we were able to do. I think we do a lot of things every year. And so like during that year, it's really hard to like really appreciate all of those. But each of those moments are really big deals. And we try to like really like soak those all in. Um, so 
that's been an amazing moment. And then just like looking around, obviously like our team has grown, our our office is a little bit bigger and it's like a different stage of the company now. And just like being grateful of that um, all the time. So. so I think with social media culture, we always highlight the monumental successes, but I also wanted to ask you, what was the biggest challenge you faced in building Mad Happy and how did you overcome it? There have been, and there are many, many challenges. Um, really like on like, if not daily, like weekly basis. And some of them are really hard, whether that's uh, internal like people problems that we have and we need to solve, or that's supply chain issues that we need to solve, or if that's just like personal things that, that our founders go through or different team members go through that we need to get past together. It's just like really hard. And like, if you look at it, it's just like, you know, you know, it definitely is like the highs, the highest of the highs and like the lowest of the lows all the time. Um, but I think, I don't know, for me, at least like, I just look at it over like the long run. And when I look back, I do feel proud and happy and still would make the same decisions of like working on the company. And I think that that's what's important for me uh, to continue to feel like passionate about doing what we're doing and, and trying to build the company for, for years to come. And a big cliche is don't mix business with friends or family, and you're kind of doing both. <laughs> so how's the relationship over the years, and how do you balance that professional friendship, family relationships? Yeah, again, like a really good question. And I think time has allowed us to like learn and grow as partners. I mean, it's also my first time really starting a company with, with partners and all that being like 28 now, you know, my brother was like 20 when we started. Mason was also 22. So like, I think just starting a company and having a relationship with your partners is a challenge enough. And then I think the family piece and the friend piece uh, definitely complicates things. And, and if you're not taking care of it, if you're not actively like working on it, then like, it gets worse. And so I think we've tried to be mindful of it. We've definitely gotten better over the years. And now we feel like we're in a, we're in a pretty good place. But like that work never ends, you know, and it's something that we just got to keep uh, pushing forward. on. And as a founder, we know that you wear a lot of different hats. So has there been a role that really surprised you? And what's something that you're doing that you really enjoy doing? I think in any role, but especially like my role within the company, it's just like, um, I've always been very curious about things, even things that like may seem boring. And so I think like there's actually so much that goes into like any company that I would not have anticipated. And some of it sucks. And I think like even like I was listening like a few months ago to this like Jeff Bezos interview and he says like, hey, like no one likes 100% of their job. Like if you like 70, 80% of it, like, like that's amazing. And I feel the same way, you know, like we work on like really, really annoying things sometimes. Like, uh, of like, oh, like our 3PL charges too much. And now we need to like create all this stuff to be able to like review every little bill that they send us. But like, that's just like part of the job and you have to do it or you have to figure out how to file taxes in all these places and, and, and pay the right amounts and, and all these like little things that like you wouldn't really think of. And so I think for me, like it is, it is still fun because it's just like all in like the nature and spirit of like building the business. And it is important, you know, even though you could be like, no, like one more design is like way more impactful than those things. Like everything still has to come together. And so I think uh, a lot of things there. Are there new projects you're looking forward to or new initiatives that you can share with us? Uh, 
I mean, there's always new stuff that we're working on uh, because we have, we do have like a couple of things every month, but there should be some fun stuff this uh, this winter. We're also going to do a couple more temporary stores um, in the winter as well. So excited for that. And then really, we just announced a Mad Happy Foundation grant to Vanderbilt University's Medical Center where we're creating, we're doing a research study to, to look at an anxiety screening tool for, for youth, like elementary to middle school youth. I think just like one example of like things that we're trying to do that are a little bit like more partnered with an amazing organization to like create something that like hopefully will benefit many people even like past like when this company is around. And so there I think like we're just always focused on like how do we continue growing the, the foundation's efforts? Because of course like we can do our part, but it involves other people and how to rally people to like really get behind the different things that we're trying to do at the foundation and support uh, the nonprofit side of things in a bigger way over time. Awesome. Well, we look forward to the new collections and also the new initiatives. Thank you so much for being here in Payment. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. That's Payment Raff, co-founder and CEO of Mad Happy. If you enjoyed our conversation, please leave us a review on your listening platform. Thanks. I'm Shwang Esther Shan, and I'll catch you next time on Shopify Masters. <laughs>